Hey, James. I'm, I'm not James. Who is it? Why is it so dark in here? Why is there a light in my eyes? James, we, we have to host the podcast today. I'm not... James, who is this? Why does your voice sound so familiar? It's because I am familiar. James, we do a podcast together every week. And we're going to do another one today, buddy. Aaron, is that you? Of course it's me. We've been doing this show for almost two years now, James. I'm not James. What? I did not fall asleep in these clothes. Why am I wearing camo cargo shorts, dirty work boots, a, a dirty t-shirt, and did you glue a beard to me? I I may have glued a beard to you. Oh, okay, let, let me let you in on a little secret here, uh, James. Um, you're, you're not... You are the real James. You're the real James. James is not on his honeymoon. He's not been gone for a week. No, he's here. He's right here in this room. He's you. You're James. I'm not crazy. You're, you're scaring me, Aaron. We're Look, friends. Buddy. If you needed someone to host the podcast with, you could have just... You could have just texted me like a normal f- fucking person. Why can't I get out of these ropes? Because I tied them too tight. I'm losing circulation. <laughs> Aaron, you know, if, if you wanted me to do the podcast, we're, we're, we're friends, right? We're, we're, right, we're, right. We're friends. You, you could have just called me like a normal fucking person, and I would have happily filled in for James for you. You didn't have to kidnap me and put me in this. Why does this t-shirt smell so bad? Ugh. Did you wash this? No, James never washes his clothes. It had to be real, but look, okay, I'm su- next time I'll call you, Neil. Just, I, uh, just let me go, and uh, we can forget about this, and the next time you need a host, just call me. Okay, okay, buddy, I'm letting you free now. There you go. Well, fuck. <laughs> Hello? Hey, oh, look, it's hey, Aaron. It's been about two hours since you fucking kidnapped me and tied me to a chair just as James. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. Hey, can you fill in for me? For, uh, for not for me, but for James this week? Yeah, sure. Are you going to glue another beard on me? Or can I do this from the comfort of my own living room? I'd prefer you didn't bring up such traumatic memories for me. It was weird. Touching your face with glue. That was... That was pretty traumatizing. But okay, let's... Okay, let's do the episode then. I'm... I'm gonna go. Fucking weirdo. (laughs) It's like one of the first things he says. She is a bitch. (laughs) Does he actually call her a bitch? He does. He actually calls her a bitch. And he actually tells people that she's a bitch because he didn't have sex with her. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we talk about dead people. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. How many times do we have to go through this? I'm not James. 
James and I hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down various members of the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurs best to give a basic account of the major events in the life of a now-dead person and give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is much harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? No, I'll tell you one thing. If you try to kidnap me again, I'm going to be ready for you this time, and you're going to be one of the dead people being talked about. Oh, that would be such a- could you do that, like, tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, you did just have that depression episode, so what is this, some sort of suicide by cop attempt? Oh, God. <laughs> You're a cop? Get off my show! Sith Psychopath hates cops! I'm legally bound to tell you, as soon as you asked, the Achilles heel of all police, de in police department criminal investigations with undercover agents. We're legally oh. bound to tell you if we're a cop. Right. So you're a cop? Maybe. Okay. So, Neil, of the War and Conquest podcast, who do we have this week? Um... Bagran Shri Rajneesh. You mean Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh? Baghdad Spree Bar Barkish. Uh, Bogart Slod God Beach? I don't know, man. This isn't my fucking show. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um... Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about Osho. Like OSHA? Like workplace no. safety? <laughs> no, Osho. Osho Fosho. Ha ha ha. I resisted writing that joke into the not script. Um, but yeah, he, this guy's a lot of names. How many other names does he have? He's got his real name, for one. <laughs> well, that, was um, actually, that was actually in the script. Oh. It's like, you know me. You're inside my head. What did you do to me? It's the furries all over again, Neil. Netflix documentary and a world of adventure. Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, a creepy cult leader and sex pervert, known for taking over a town, building a city, and fucking over the homeless. So, Neil, if you had to design a carnival ride, what would be the theme and what would be the ride? I feel like I already asked this one, but I don't care. Um. Clowns. Clowns? Lots of clowns. What would be the ride? Clowns? <laughs> <laughs> clowns. They yeah. give you piggyback rides and terrify other children. Oh, God. That's it, it would be... It would, it's, not a, it's not an amusement park. It's a torture park for bad children. Oh, God. Like, it's like for the kids that like the super nannies can't fix that like you can't beat them or oh, yeah. put them in timeout. You send them to this theme park and it's like scared straight, but... With amusement park rides. And clowns. I actually... Here's my answer to the question. Here's my answer to that question. Uh, the theme would also be clowns. Um, but instead of it being like a piggyback roller coaster ride, it would be like... You know those Viking ships that like swing back and forth? Yeah. It'd be like that, but it'd just be like a clown T-posing and you'd like sit in a cavity in his stomach just swinging back and forth. <laughs> That's fucked up, I know. <laughs> You should have, like, a clown face, like, in the very bottom of the ride, like, when you're all the way at the peak of the swing. Like, you can't oh. see it until, like, the farthest one. It's, like, this giant, like, scary clown face right there. Oh, God. That would be... I would ride that. I'm not lying. <laughs> uh, and then I would have nightmares for decades afterward. Okay, so, computer, please bring up Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Please? Affirmative, my lord. 
I just want to give like a little little tidbit for your fans. Like I never knew this about you guys. Mm-hmm. I thought like you generated that like super over the top announcer voice like in post production with like effects or something. I didn't know like you just naturally did that with your voice. Oh. <laughs> I thought like you had like some reverb effects or some sort of like post editing magic thing and yet here you're just doing it with your regular voice. Boom. TIL yep. before the show even started. Learn oh, something man. new. You're going to learn a lot co-hosting we talk about dead people. So, tell me James, what was this bog run tree Ragnish best known for? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy, we're never going to get out of this intro. Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh is best known for starring in a documentary on Netflix known as Wild Wild Country, written and directed by the Way Brothers. I'm not being paid for this, but this series is how I learned about this story. And I find that sad because it's a huge story and I've never even heard of it before. It sounds like a commercial. Yeah. I Sell mean, out. it's just. Sellouts! So, this is the part where you ask me what Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh looked like. He looks You don't like... have to ask, though, if you don't want to. I'll just tell you. He looks like he's ready to molest your child. <laughs> yeah, he like actually does. Like, he's hey. actively, like, he's got his eyes zeroed in on a child right now. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Uh, can I, here's a question. How old do you think he is in this picture? Well, that's hard because he's got a beard and he's, he looks Arab and those, they gray early. So, I mean, he could be like 40 years old and he just looks like he's 70. That's what I was surprised at. The age of, of he was in this picture, he's like his late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. Because to me, he looks like he's like 75. Um, but yeah, so here's here's what he actually looks like. He does look like he's about to molest a child. But he also has the most <laughs> passive-aggressive face in the history of man. Uh, and it, it stays native to his face all the time. He looks the same all the time, except for when he gets angry, and that doesn't happen until the end. I would love to see a staring contest between him and Rasputin. Oh shit, that would be like that would be like that scene at the in the middle of Harry Potter where they're like firing their wands at each other and the the power gets stuck in the middle or whatever. Yeah, it's like pushing back and forth, a, a beam struggle like they stole from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, and Tsar Nicholas is like to the left of of Rasputin going, "You can do it, Rasputin. I'm not really dead." <laughs> or something. Um yeah, so Rajneesh in his fame always had a big white beard. It was iconic, but also everyone knows that in order to be wise, you have to grow a big white beard. Sorry, ladies. He's got dark eyes, like a like black hole dark, and he's almost always wearing this creepy smile, like he's at constant peace or about to molest a child. Um, but it's like a false peace. Does um, that mean that the, the Duck Commander guys are some of the smartest people in the universe? The guys from Duck Dynasty? Duck Dynasty? Uh, they got the yes. beards. According to this metric, they are very wise. I think you might have a few flaws in your metric if that's your your standard of proof. You know, I wonder if Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh can also do amazing duck calls. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he looks like he could just, like, intimidate the ducks into landing dead in front of his feet. Yeah, he would just kill them with his eyes. (laughs) Like, he uses telepathy to, like, make them explode in the sky. Oh, yes. And then he, like, walks through a rain of feathers, just looking super freaking calm. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's fucked up. Okay, so shall we get into Rajneesh's early life? Yeah, sure, right. James. Okay. <laughs> Just do a little switcheroo on me, aren't you, Neil? 
Okay, so, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, or Osho, as his followers call him, was born in the December of 1931 into an unstable and scary world known as 1930s India. <laughs> when Gandhi was building up his nuclear arsenal. Right, exactly. So, and because because uh, I like to do this, I like to give a little context uh, into what historical period we are in. Um, because, honestly, I didn't know what India looked like around this time very well. It's a bit so, of a triangle, like an arrowhead-shaped country with a little, yeah, exactly. little teardrop at the end of it called Sri no, Lanka. I did not in the mean Indian Ocean. the literal shape of <laughs> India. <laughs> Damn it, Neil! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, at this time, India is nearing the end of about 200 years of British rule. The Indians just fought for the British in World War I. Over a million of them volunteered to fight on behalf of British India. And after the war, everyone goes back home to British-occupied India. Uh, and the place is largely struggling right along, mainly because while the British had this thing uh, called the Industrial Revolution, India did kind of didn't uh, at that period. I mean, you don't were... need factories to farm tea for the British. That's I mean. right. Um, but the problem is, the Industrial Revolution meant that uh, there was an accelerated production of canned goods, Ikea-style furniture, tools, etc. Just stuff that was being manufactured in massive amounts being sent uh, over to India, sold for cheaper prices, all the rest. Um, and this put craftsmen and farmers out of their jobs along with others, which, you know, is not good for the working class. And the British had also committed an act of mass firing years earlier when they basically disbanded the Indian army before they needed them, of course, and then conscripted them for World War I. So yeah, you've got a lot of unemployed people in India, which is not good. I mean, how far back are you going for this? Because you said it's 1930s, like your World War is a little bit off. No, or, I mean, no, no. Are we, we going back pre... Oh, we're going back to... back pretty far like when britain oh, okay. first landed but oh, we're gotcha. gonna we're also gonna jump right right back up to world war ii um, gotcha just trying to give you the outline a little bit um so here's the thing so world war one was bad but world war ii was kind of worse because it brought more conflict between the british uh and the indians because britain wanted india to fight again but at this point they've had like 10 years of gandhi so that's probably not going to work so well and British India nonetheless declares war on Nazi Germany and officially gets involved with the war, but it's British India, which means it's being represented by Britain. Well, it was also being pretty actively invaded by the Japanese. I mean, they were conquering their way through Southeast Asia, so pretty soon the Indians are going to have a dog in this fight no matter what, whether right. they want to fight with the British or not. And that's a really good point, because... Uh, there were really two sides to this. There were the nationalist Indians who were not fans of British rule and also not fans of fighting wars for their colonizers again. So they started up something called the Quit India Movement in 1942. Unless, British, uh, unless Britain gave independence to India, the people would no longer fight for Britain. This didn't work. Um, so what are you going to do? Form an alliance with the Axis powers who might indeed give your independence to, uh, to you if you help them defeat your longtime colonizers? Of course you do. I feel like that's not a very far-sighted thing. Like they didn't really look that deep into the Nazi ideals. I mean, you're not white, yeah. you're not right. If it's brown, it's down. Uh, something like that. Yeah, it didn't work out so well for them, but they were also really sick of the British, so they were just like, anybody who's fucking over the British, let's go. Let's the British are literally Hitler. <laughs> the, yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or li- I guess it would be literally Churchill at that point if we're getting into World War II analogies. Mm. Or yeah, literally t- Chamberlain. Yeah, we're going to talk about Churchill a tiny bit here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, India split. Uh, India fights for both Germany and Japan in Libya and Singapore, among other places, while also fighting for, um, while also some Indians fought for allied interests as well. Um, so India is kind of in a really fucked up place right now, and that's basically it. And here's the thing: so the Indians fighting for the Axis powers really pisses off Winston Churchill, um, and this just gives him another reason to dislike Indians. Um, and I'm not saying like he had reasons, and I'm not saying they were good reasons, but he had plenty of reasons. Um, so he's doing all he can to stop like Im- the importation of goods into India. Um, now, Churchill being a bastard is the easy explanation, but life isn't easy. There were other reasons that food could not get into India. I want to just, one, like, I just like, imagine Churchill drunk off his ass one night because he pretty much always was. <laughs> yeah. And he made that call that I think it was Nixon who got drunk one time and like was like, yeah, fuck it, bomb Russia. Oh, shit, did that really happen? Or it was either Johnson or Nixon. One of, like, the Vietnam-era presidents got, like, really fucked up one night and was like, fucking nuke Russia! And these underlings disobeyed the thing. But I ever wonder if that, like, went through Churchill's head, like, fuck those fucking Indians! Bomb them! Yep. yep. Drop bombs on them! Fuck them! Yeah, well, here's the, here's the thing about it. Okay, so, <clears throat> there was a massive amount of resources being restri- redistributed for this uh, secret operation you might have heard of, known as Operation Overlord. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that one. Nope. Okay. Yeah, D-Day. So, anyway, <laughs> I know you've heard of it. Um, so, Churchill said that even if he wanted to help India, he probably couldn't. You know, he, he's smirking past his cigar and sipping a little bit of champagne while he's saying, I probably, even if I wanted to help them, I couldn't. Well, why? Well, Japan went and captured Burma, which means that shipments from allied countries have been curtailed entirely. They just can't get through. So even if Churchill did send those ships with those precious resources aboard in some Hail Mary attempt to get food to those dying of hunger, there was a good chance it would be all for naught and the tea and biscuits would simply be captured by the enemy and used or just straight up blown up. Which either helps the enemy or helps no one. So, yeah. Oh, I I'm, I'm, wasn't even paying attention. I'm reading oh. an article from Business Insider about Richard Nixon trying to nuke the Soviet <laughs> Union. All right, let's settle it. All right, it was so, Nixon. so it was Nixon, but he wanted to nuke North Korea instead of, like, to indirectly hurt the Soviet Union because the Soviets were supplying all their things. That's a really drunk thing to ask for. Please nuke North Korea. I really want to piss off the Russians. All right, so here it is. So... The first months into his first administration, his uh, North Korea shot down a spy plane over the Sea of Japan, and then he got drunk one night and he wanted to drop a 330 kiloton nuke on a North Korean airstrip. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I'm glad oh, he didn't, but God. that's amazing. <laughs> So, right, when so you I, were reading Business Insider, I was running a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it was bothering me. No, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so, what I was saying was that Churchill really can't send any help to India because the the Indian Ocean was like a nautical kill zone. Uh, and at this point, the Allies had lost like 250 like full-size merchant ships with nearly a million tons of cargo, and the Japanese Navy was no stranger to seeking, sinking these kinds of vessels. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's a kind of a sucky situation for everybody. Right? I feel like if India, all they had to do to feed them was just to switch some of that tea production to actual food. Like, there's plenty of farmland in India you could farm for food. But, yeah. you know, I guess that cuts into the British tea thing, and that's a, a fate worse than death. <laughs> well, you're actually not far off from what exactly caused uh, this famine. Um, the British rule had been working to industrialize India, and to do that, they were pulling people off of their farms and putting them into factories. Um, and they'd been doing this for quite a while, so there was, like, no generational agrarian nature um, sort of left over. It had been eroding for quite some time due to the influx of cheap imported goods and the rapid industrialization of Calcutta and other major cities. And guess what? Most farmers simply couldn't compete with this in those days, let alone over like the course of 200 years. So when the rice and grain shipments just kind of stop, you're going to have problems. It's like trying to open up a mom and pop burger shop next to fucking McDonald's. Like between McDonald's and Burger King. Yeah. yeah. Like you're with fucked. The, <laughs> with the Chick-fil-A right down the road. Like you're not mm. going to get that much business for your $20 hamburgers. Right. Unless you're, you know, in Austin and you charge $20 for a salad. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you might have guessed, there's a lot of controversy about this famine because it's fucking horrible. Something like 2 to 3 million people died between 1943 and 1944 until things actually started to turn around. What is it with the British in telling their colonists to grow the wrong crops? I feel like America was the only colony that wasn't forced to grow something that caused mass famine. Like, we have the Irish potato famine because of the British. Now we have the Indian, whatever the name of this famine in, because of the British telling them what to grow. Right. Well, it's like the British, <laughs> they didn't learn... <laughs> From any of these, but it all happened. It all happened like in a relatively short window of time. Like all these famines just happen, and it's like none of them learned. They were just like, "All right, you know, we want our tea, so stop farming corn. We'll send you the rice, but we need the tea right fucking now." Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a whole thing. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to tell you all of this because you need to know that Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh lived through all of this turmoil. Um, this was a terrible time to be in India. Um, he wasn't in the center of it, though, because he wasn't born on the coasts. Um, but this was the kind of world he was born into. A confused, fucked up kind of place with no goddamn bread. I feel like we probably should have mentioned him a little bit earlier in this podcast. I feel like this is, we're a half an hour in from the intro, and this is the first time we've mentioned the guy we're actually talking about today. <laughs> Efficiency wins! We're going to be talking about him a lot from from here on out because uh, it's you cannot look away from this story. It's ridiculous. You can't look away because I wouldn't trust turning my back to a guy that stares at me like he does. <laughs> it's like it's like locking eyes with a fucking wolf snarling at you. You don't look away. Yeah. You stare into his soul until you've backed out of the room and locked the door behind you. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. I don't recommend uh, spending a lot of. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about Bhagwan. <laughs> All right. It would be a great intro right there, dude. I, now I know what it feels like to to be derailed. I was derailing you so much when you came on our show, and we did an episode together. Now I know what it's like. I was actually I was getting a shower the other night, and I was like thinking to myself, like, "Payback's a bitch." <laughs> For real though. <laughs> so. 
Bhagwan was not born as either Rajneesh or Osho or Bhagwan. Um, he was born named Chandra Mohan Jain, and he was raised for his first seven years by his grandparents. Rajneesh records that this was a great time for him because he was basically allowed to do whatever the fuck he wanted around Grandma's little home. But then Grandpa died, and Rajneesh was only seven, and this severely affected him and got him thinking about death a lot. He ended up going to live with his parents, um, where he got a girlfriend, who was also his cousin. Uh, just and, drop that in there. And seven? Uh, n uh, they were, like, good friends at seven, and then, like, at 13 or 14 or whatever, they started, like, dating. Uh, but then she died of typhoid at 15, which sent Rajneesh into another spin cycle. <laughs> Uh, well, look so, at the bright side. They didn't have child labor laws back then, so you could always just go work his problems away in the factory. Fair enough. <laughs> but he didn't go to the factory. He went to school. And at school, my boy was wicked smart. But also, like Goodwill Hunting, he was a brawler and kind of a dick. Uh, he got in trouble for arguing with his teachers, and not like a student arguing with the teacher about whether or not evolution is real. It was like arguing whether or not the teacher should die because it would improve human evolution. <laughs> That's what? the kind of fight he was getting in. <laughs> he no, I know, I'm going to defend him on this because he knew starvation was coming, and so he wanted to get ahead of it. So he's trying to kill as many people as he can, so there's less mouths for the food to be shared amongst. He's thinking ahead. You actually understand this guy better than you might think you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of his philosophy in a lot of ways. So that's, that's kind of scary right now that we're talking about this like weird cult guy. Yeah, and I'm, be I'm, afraid. I'm, <clears throat> And just think of, imagine those eyes as I talk about all this. I'm gonna see them in my sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. You're gonna see him in your room. You're gonna like wake up and he's gonna be standing in the corner with his hands together, like right in front of his face. Like he does it like a like a wizard or whatever. Oh, you mean like you did to me earlier today? Yes, just like that. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man. So. Here's the thing, there's a lot of death in Rajneesh's life, and it's worldwide, it's World War II era, like, his girlfriend, who is also his cousin, which is kind of fucked up, has died of typhoid. He's thinking about life and death constantly. Um, he seems to have found himself railroaded into thinking about the macabre and worldwide darkness, which caused him to become very, ironically, critical of all religion, especially old religions. So he's a he's a trilby hat card carrying atheist at this point. Which is nice. <laughs> Did I lose you? No. No, I no, needed you're... my mic because I was pouring water into my other thing. Okay. <laughs> I was listening now. He's an atheist. He's got a fedora or trilby or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, it was a, it was a trilby. Oh. <laughs> I did the same thing. So uh here's the thing. He did, even though he was, like, an atheist, he didn't stay atheist very long. Um, in fact, it's it's possibly he never actually truly became an atheist. He was just, like, done with all the gods. He's like, you guys are fucking idiots. You're worshipping all the wrong gods. You don't understand God at all. So he becomes interested in spirituality, but not in a spiritual sense, he would say. I'm not religious. I'm just spiritual. I'm not spiritual, but not in the spiritual sense. Like... <laughs> I'm different, trust me. I'm it's, unique. Yeah, it's really hard to explain because Rajneesh's brand of wizardry is a little whack. Um, we'll get into it later when Rajneesh develops a little bit more, but for now, we're going to talk about his college years, all right? So it's 1951, 
and Rajneesh has started college, where he immediately gets into an argument with a teacher and leaves. Just like that. It's kind of a pattern for him at this point. So he goes to another school that, like, literally does not require him to go to classes except for exams. So he can't, he doesn't have the potential to get into an argument with a teacher. And so college, basically. You just show up for the exams. Right. I mean, if you're at the right college. Um, but anyway, so he does that. He gets his education and gets a BA in philosophy. He works at a lo- local newspaper for a time. And then he starts speaking at religious events. And all of a sudden, he becomes enlightened while sitting under a tree somewhere, which... I have no idea what that means. So I did look into a specific definition of enlightenment uh, under Jainism, which was the doctrine, I guess, that he was most closely aligned with at first. Um, and I didn't find a definition, but I did find a quote. And this comes from a guy named Mahavira, who worked on becoming enlightened for 12 years. And I would like to uh, you to cue up my yoga CD there. Uh, You're you know. talking about Buddhism, right? Uh, something like that, yeah. You, I mean, that, that's where, what's his name, got in Buddha. He, he became the Buddha or whatever under a tree, wasn't it? So yeah. So he was just copying, copy-pasting parts of Buddhism. Because that's Basically. more than likely what he would have known at that time. Or Hinduism. Yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know anything about Eastern religion. I'm just, I'm wor- just, I barely learned enough to just get through this this episode. The good news is, he he's not really like, he uses Eastern religion, but he's got problems with it. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first off, I would like you to cue my yoga CD, please. Put it, put it on the track. All right. <laughs> All right. So here, here we go. Me aggressively pushing a button. Yeah. This is uh. So this is this is uh. This is what it's like to become enlightened. During the thirteenth year, in the second month of summer, in the fourth fortnight, the light fortnight of Vaisakha. On its tenth day, when the shadow had turned towards the east, and the first wake was over, on the day called Suvrata, in the Mahurta called Vigaya, outside of the town of Bringakagrama, on the bank of the river Jurbalapalika, not far from an old temple, in the field of the householder Samaga, under a sal tree, when the moon was in conjunction with the asterism Uttara Falguni, the venerable one, in a squatting position, with joined heels, exposing himself to the heat of the sun, after fasting for two and a half days, without drinking water, being engaged in deep meditation, reached the highest knowledge and intuition, called Kivala, which is infinite, supreme, unobstructed, unimpeded, complete, and full. You know, I'm starting to figure out how this guy got converts. He just started speaking and like, Two or three sentences. They were just like, "Fuck! All right, we'll join if you don't if you don't continue with what you're saying. We'll give you some money." I think the point of it is he's saying, "I came to full knowledge, and you know how I know? I can remember every single detail about that day, including that I was in a squatting position and my heels were joined." It's like right? it's like Alex Jones whenever he talks about the globalists doing DMT. Yeah. <laughs> They got pictures. There's aliens, and they communicate, and they want to steal all the life from humanity and cause suffering. It's the elves, man. They're the real. elves. The elves are real. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Buy my dick pills. Hillary Clinton is a goddamn demon. I mean, he's not wrong about that. Let's be honest. <laughs> that, that Every time that I think of him, I play that one clip I saw of him like ranting about Hillary Clinton, and someone synced it up to an, an ad for the 2016 game Doom. 
<laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I gotta watch that sometime. So, okay, look. I, I guess this is what it's like to know everything. <laughs> so, nonetheless, I'm guessing something similar uh, to this is what happened to Rajneesh. He's claiming to be enlightened, and people kind of like, oh, so now you're super wise or whatever. You, you can start your cult now. Great, okay. So, <clears throat> after learning all there is to know, Rajneesh goes on to earn a master's degree. <laughs> well, duh. Uh, and while doing so, he starts making some cash, uh, giving lectures all across India. And in these lectures, he criticized pretty much everything. Like, that was his whole shtick. He's just gonna, no matter what you believe, he's gonna pick on it. Um, he's just like a, the biggest contrarian in the world. And I think this is the era in which he started growing his massive beard. Um, this whole thing just sounds like atheism with more steps. Yeah, it's uglier than atheism. I'll, I'll tell you why. That's, that's for sure, and we'll get there. But anyway, so from socialism to Gandhi... Nothing got away. And Gandhi was like a big, you know, big name. Like, oh my god, he's picking on Gandhi. No, oh, he does right. have a massive nuclear stockpile. Right. So he's after the sacred cows, is what I'm saying. And the sacred cows have nuclear bombs. I'm also saying that. He wanted to open up the first McDonald's in India. He was really trying to get on the British corporate tit. <laughs> and he's a sleeper agent from the British government to destroy Gandhi. Boom. Yeah. Figured it out. Conspiracy time. All right. Come to Austin. You're going on Alex Jones' show. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, capitalism, science, technology, birth control, you name it, he had a problem with it. And it turns out people are struggling, um, people who are struggling are looking for something to blame for their misery. And what better answer is there when you're struggling to hear, it's actually everything that's wrong, dude, the whole world is wrong. But I know a middle way. Follow me, and boom! Rajneesh is in the cult business. You just have to let me molest your children first. Okay, like, we're joking about that. But I, there's not much evidence that that happened. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> so he's not like, uh, what's his name? Uh, fuck. David Koresh. Koresh, yes. Yeah. You got, you got to fuck the guy's wife in order to him to join the church. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. So freaking funny. I wish we could do another episode on David Koresh. Probably could. But anyway, so, boom. Uh, uh, Rajneesh, like... He gets this huge boon of friends, and most of them are rich. Um, and we've had this theme, I don't know if you if you listen, um, I know you've listened to Rasputin, did you? It doesn't matter. We've run into this theme now where we've discovered that rich people are, like, searching for meaning, and they get sucked into cults really, really easily. Sort of helps explain Scientology. Well, we see it a lot with a lot of modern rich people, as they generally try to at least publicly claim that they're on the left side of the political spectrum because they feel guilty about being rich. So it's basically just like self-deprecating. Oh, I'm going to join this, this side that politically goes after the rich because I want to show that I'm guilty for my money, that maybe people will like me. That's It's like Bill Gates is always like, I'll pay more taxes. Like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, Bill. You know you're not going to. And even if you do, are you going to worry about your next meal? I don't think so. No. I mean, what is it? What's a Jeff Bezos lost like $23 billion in his divorce. He made that back in like a day or two of running <laughs> Amazon again. Like, ooh, you really took a chunk out of my pocket there, babe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the good news is like... It's not good news. He's friends with rich people, and so he starts selling them individual therapy sessions, and oh my god, he's just killing it. Soon after this starts, he opens up a little camp and invites all of his little rich friends to come hang out for like 10 days at a time. And the next thing you know, he's starting what's called the Life Awakening Movement, 
And his university asked him to quit his job teaching because, well, he's criticizing them, too! It's not surprising. Yeah, like, <laughs> you got, like, you work at a place, you're like, this place fucking sucks, and then you're telling everybody, that place fucking sucks because of these ten reasons, and then they find out, and they're like, yo, you, like, teach here, and he's like, I know, it sucks, <laughs> you're fired, okay, I'll start a cult. Um, so he's doing these individual therapy the hero's sessions. hero's journey. What? The hero's journey. It's the hero's journey. It's a tale as old as time. So things go on like this for like 10 years, and Rajneesh is just blowing the fuck up. He's writing a book and putting it out there. It's really short and full of bullshit, and people are buying it. And There's like seemingly no topic he's not educated on, or at least appears to be educated on, to his followers. Um, And there's no topic on which uh, he has no answer. And the one he likes to talk about the most is... If you had to guess? The patriarchy. Close. <laughs> he likes talking about sex. And of course it's sex. It's the fucking 60s. Everybody's talking about sex. Sex has literally been trending on the 60s Twitter for years, right? So he's just riding the sex wave. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if he criticized that too. Like, he, he fucks these women and then he tells them all the things they did wrong. And they're like, you're a dick. Like, well, this is literally my stick. I criticize everything and... Your blowjob skills need some work. <laughs> well, it's not quite that. Um, Rajneesh is pushing for free love, which is what any dumb bitch with a cult automatically does when they realize they're the patriarch of a new church populated by wealthy, wealthy people you can blackmail. Um, yeah, so he's pushing free love. He's, like, all about it. Like, just have sex with everybody all the time. Just do it. It's good for you. Um, and so until his Until you get herpes. Yeah, until you get herpes. Um... Or, like, you lose your fucking soul. <laughs> um, so anyway, he's also pissed off with the Hindus um, because he got a big problem with the caste system, which, I mean, fair enough. But here's the thing. There's a lot of bagage with Bhagwan. You're really reaching for that one, aren't you? <laughs> it's really bad, sir. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about this bagage, okay? Um, he's starting to get known as the sex guru. Like, the sex guru. Um, so what he thinks about other things kind of fades in the public eye. All, you know, people, you know, talking about sex. Like, it doesn't matter what you think of, of you know, history or the caste system or nothing. You're talking about sex, everyone's like, oh, shit, I want to listen now. Um, and just like any other cult, there's rumors of massive orgies and free love and crazy shit like that going around. And of course, that's what everyone focuses on, which is fair. I mean, why else do you join a cult? What? What? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Have more fun as a follower. Anyway, so Rajneesh was also gathering attention by building up uh, even more criticisms of Hinduism, uh, basically bitching long enough to get a major church leader to try and get him shut down. But he doesn't, so bitch on he does. In uh, Mumbai, in the early 1970s, Rajneesh invented the Windows Vista version of meditation. So, I'd like you to imagine what that's like. Windows Vista, if it were a meditative state. So it crashes every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> how do you how do you control alt-delete meditation? Uh, I will tell you. I'm about to tell you all about dynamic meditation. Um... And I say Windows Vista because not many people use it, and the ones who do are kind of wacky. So it's basically like this. And it's right in your way, your description, too. First, clothes are not required. 
In fact, of in, yeah, no, of course not. In fact, in many instances, clothes were just gotten rid of on purpose. So here's what you do: you get everyone in the room, good and naked, and you all stand in a circle. And first thing you do is called the mad dance. This is the crash, the first crash of Windows Vista. And this is the part where you just completely lose control of yourself. You're supposed to just do whatever you impulsively do. There's no thinking. You just go. You freak the fuck out. You're screaming, waving your arms around, falling on the floor, squawking like a homeless guinea pig on PCP. It's crazy. And then you just stop. All at once. You, you know, the, oh, this, just, this is really starting to sound familiar. Like, all of this happened to me last night. I'm really starting to think that you did that whole kidnapping bit just as a really method-acted way of getting me involved in today's topic. I will not comment on because that I accusation. I remember a lot of arm flailing and naked dancing when I it was like a it was like a night terror I couldn't move I was you'd already used the paralyzing agent all you had to do was put on the shorts man <laughs> yep I mean that's how you wanted to get me naked so you could dress me up as James and glue the beard to me yep <laughs> uh, that's actually I'm not going to comment on the veracity of these statements okay so you're losing your shit and you're naked. <laughs> And then you just stop, and you sit the fuck down, and you do proper meditation like a normal boy, and then you do it all again, rinse and repeat. You just, like, chaotic state, complete, you know, silence, meditation, whatever, chaotic state. And this is actually insane, and here's the thing, Neil, there are videos of this, like, tons of them. Uh, I, in Wild Wild Country, these people are just, like, talking about this being like, it's a beautiful movement that's gonna save the world, man. And then they just cut to a video of one of these sessions. It's just naked people in a dark room screaming and crawling all over one another, performing sexual acts on one another, uh, one another without clear consent. I mean, it's fucked. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, let me just say, real quick, let me just say, Neil, I'm a pretty edgy guy. I've played Minecraft for like 10 years. It really, like, it sounds like a combination of Zumba and hot yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like get that heart rate up and get sweaty and then move around a bunch and scream and meditate Yeah, and then do it again Okay, but jokes aside like Minecraft joke, whatever jokes aside like I watched it and I don't really get freaked out by much anymore I mean, you know, there's the internet today. You can see whatever you want that yeah. freaked me the fuck out watching that um, well, I can imagine yeah, so for some reason stupid people love this <laughs> stupid rich people <laughs> And they think that Rajneesh is going to, like, save the planet or something. They're, like, convinced that this is the thing. This is this is it. I've been searching for it my whole life. We're going to save the world. Um, so Rajneesh sees this. And he's like, all right, I'm going to fuck off to Mumbai. And he goes there, and he makes his next move. And he's really starting to scare people at this point. Because none of this is, like, it's not a secret. It's, it's not even, like, a rumor. Like, it's like, yeah, we have wild orgies. <laughs> like, we do that every day. It's super cool. And people are like, you're fucked up, man. <laughs> So it's not like Fight Club. You're not not supposed to talk about it. You're supposed like, yes, to fucking tell everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not like normal cults where it's like this shit comes out when you know the FBI invades. It's the like ATF breaks in and shoots your dog and burns your house down. Yep. <laughs> so the, his followers are called Sanyasins, okay, and uh, they have to do a couple of things. Not have to, but they they freely choose to do a couple of things to be a part of this cult. Um, they have to wear red all the time. Like, red robes, if they're wearing street clothes, they gotta be all red, all the time. Um, and they're carrying around little lockets with Bhagwan's picture in them. His creepy eyes and creepy face, you know. Um, yeah, he, they got their his picture in their pocket. So, you know, he may not be in the corner of your room tonight, like, just teleporting all over the place um, while you scream. 
powerless to resist. Yes, but he's in your his pocket. His animalistic urges. Oh, Jesus. His piercing eyes. Oh, yeah. His you beard know, tickles you as he comes closer. This mm. is... <laughs> The beard has a mind of its own. It like reaches out and like strokes your face. It's like the, it's like the cape that Doctor Strange has in the Avengers. Oh shit! I didn't see Doctor Strange ever. Well, you, um, did you see the Avengers? Infinity I didn't see War? the Avengers. I just read the spoilers and I was like, all right, it's a good ending. Wow. Well, he's got a cape that's sort of like the carpet from Aladdin. Oh. So you've seen nice. Aladdin? I, I didn't see Aladdin either. You piece of shit! I'm done with this interview. <laughs> It sounded like you were actually getting up and leaving. Oh shit. He <laughs> did. Okay, I guess we'll wait a couple seconds for him to come back. Anybody know any good jokes? <laughs> You're talking to yourself, dumbass. <laughs> That's the, no, no. I, never mind. You'll hear it later. Uh, what was I going to say? That's the second time I've made you walk out. <laughs> No, the first time I was running for my life. Oh, right. The okay. second time was I voluntarily left. Allegedly running for your life. Admit, I know. The, you had the craziest look in your eyes. Uh, that's true. I actually want to talk about crazy looks because uh, Bhagwan has a crazy look of his own, but his people, his followers, have their own crazy look. Uh, it's just like this empty, happy, not even happy, just like empty, docile look. Um. And when they talk about when they talk about Osho, they like stare off into the distance. Like, yeah, I was thinking about Osho the other day and how how much he's done for the world. And it's so creepy, dude. You gotta watch the documentary. It's like that. Uh, it's like that meme with Elmo like staring off in the distance, and it has like the Vietnam flashbacks in the the background. That's almost exactly what it looks like, except they have a strange smile. Um, I would say that there's maybe... No, I'm not even going to do that. Nope, it's freaking creepy. They act like really creepy zombie people, which is way less fun than it sounds. Seriously. Um, but here, here's, here's one thing I just want to... I need to point this out because it, it bothered me a little bit. It's worth noting that the majority of Bogwo Shojinish's... Uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's misspelled on purpose. All of his followers are from... Almost all of his followers, I should say, are from Western countries... It's like rich white kids rolling up on Bogwan's zombie farm like he's offering them some worthless four-year degree at the low, low cost of years of crippling debt. Like, that's how popular he is with white kids. Um, and this, like, this cult is attractive to Westerners mainly because the Indians who live near all this shit are perfectly aware that this is a cult and not just Hindu plus. Um, but the Indians who live nearby also don't have the kind of cash that white western kids uh, do. So, when you watch the documentary, or if you look at the archive footage, which, one of the coolest things I, I heard about is, like, they didn't really know about this story uh, when they were making the documentary. They went out there just because they're like, oh, there's a really crazy cult out here. And there's, like, a vault of videotapes, and just, a, like, a whole wall of tapes just labeled Rajneesh. I would have, I think if I was an Indian person in that region, I would have gone just so I would get the chance to hate fuck my oppressors in some sort of yoga session. I mean, I would try it at least once <laughs> just to see what all the fuss was about. Well, if you could get you in, You made I mean... me grow tea for my whole life and stop me from getting a degree while paying me 20 cents an hour. You know what's oh. better? You know what's better than hate fucking? <laughs> Robbing <What>? them. <laughs> <laughs> that works too. And turning them into docile sheep who are easily controllable. Are we talking about the tugs now? The what? 
The Tugs? What the hell is that? The th it's spelled Thug. I guess where we get the word from, it was the Indian robber cult that would go around and rob caravan routes going throughout oh. India. Shit, I didn't know about that. My mind has been expanded. Yeah, that's where the word comes from. Um, but yeah, so... There's all these people coming in. Um, and, like I said, Rajbag McNo Show doesn't really care about the poor people, right? So, and he's making all this cash, and he's like, fuck, I gotta make this bigger. So he builds this thing called an ashram. Uh, in the middle of a city. I can't remember which one it was, but it, it, it was a big city. And it's just like six acres of land that's just, it's like green and it's peaceful and it's just packed with thousands of, of uh, Rajneesh's followers. Um, it is here that the ashram, it is here in, in this ashram that actually he is assassinated, but not. Um, so someone from the outside who was like, this guy is fucking scary and he's, he's bringing in all these people. Um, he's got to go. So they try to kill him because they're a little bit scared of this movement. But they don't. He doesn't actually die. Um, but that's when old Wagabag decides it's time to get the sannyasins out of India. All right? Um, and in 1981, Boggy Boy buys a ranch in Oregon and takes 2,000 of his people straight to the U.S. of A. And uh, this, he, he, it's this ranch. It's, this, it's like uh, several, like 150 acres or something like that. It's just in the middle of fucking nowhere. And he, he renames it. It was like... What was it called? Like, Muddy Ranch or something like Big Muddy Ranch or something like that. He names it Rancho Rajneesh. <laughs> he should have moved to Texas, like, right up the street from the Adventists. And that way they could have, like, if they lived in the same time period, they have, like, an anger war. Like, no, we're the best sex cult. Like, no, we're the best. Like, we have yoga and have sex. And, like, Koresh is like, oh, fuck your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to, like, <laughs> like, out, like, passing out, like, flyers. Like, join our sex cult, please. <laughs> I just love that. Like I, I can see David Crush passing out, <laughs> passing out uh, flyers, and then these, he bumps into a into a Rajneeshi in their red costume, and he just spins around angrily. I'll fuck your wife. <laughs> like one, uh, like like one of his last tapes they find before the ATF burns down the complex is like fuck that Rajneesh guy, especially. Yeah. <laughs> and the U.S. government, they can both go fuck themselves and let me fuck their wives. Well, the common ground that Koresh and Rajneesh would have is that they both hate the government. So, no. <laughs> here's the deal. Okay, let's talk about this ranch a tiny bit because it's, it's kind of a big deal. All right, so this ranch is within the purview of a little town known as Antelope, um, which has the population of precisely fuck all. Uh, it's like 75 people live there, and it's populated by the great grandchildren of the men and women who were the old Oregon Trail pros in the computer lab back in grade school. Like, they were so good at the game that they lived it and died it. Um, but lived it enough that they still settled the mean streets of Antelope, Oregon. They've been there for literally millions of years. Literally millions. I don't... Okay, <laughs> Joseph Smith. <laughs> uh, did, they meet, did they meet Jesus when he came to America, too, to witness to the Indians? Yes, they Yes, they did. Um, and that's why the city was initially named uh, Jesus Town. Uh, and then some antelope came along, and it was wearing a white robe. And it was like, I'm actually the Messiah. And they're like, oh, shit, we got to change the town name. So they changed it to Antelope. That's the story of Antelope. <laughs> Sounds legit. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I'm not lying. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. oh, boy. So these 75 elderly people get word that about 2,000 people are going to move in to their area. And they know nothing about these people. 
Uh, but when they arrive, oh boy, do they learn fast. Uh, these people are coming in by the busload, like literal buses of people all in a line, just like driving by for like hours at a time. Like just the, this one long bus train. It's like the end of the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> I've actually never seen that movie. I thought um, you were a film school. Like I major. am, but I've never seen Pulp Fiction on purpose. Well, this is, we're not talking about Pulp Fiction. We're talking about Field of Dreams. Okay, look, it's on my watch list as of like last week. I didn't even know it was like a movie. I mean, it's um, not a great movie, but it would help you to understand this reference. I was, the only reason I know about it or, or thought to watch it was I was reading about, um, about that, that shit about Berenstein Bears. Or the Mandela effect? Yeah, the Mandela effect. And Field of Dreams was in there and there was like a line or something that people claim they remembered one way and then it was another. I don't remember. It was weird, but I was like, I gotta see this movie. <laughs> it's actually, I think it's coming out in theaters again. Like, they're re-releasing it for, like, the 20th anniversary. Like, when I went to go see Endgame in theaters, they were advertised, like, a one- or two-night thing in Regal Cinemas, where they Dude. don't have any titles to play, so they just play 20-year-old movies on the big screen again. I would love that. I will, I'm gonna see if they can, I got that in my area. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, <clears throat> these, uh, yeah, so they know, th know nothing about these people, um, but they're about to learn real fast, because these people are fucking lunatics. The first thing they start doing when they arrive is harassing the locals. Um, you know, like, they're coming in by the busload, and these old people, who haven't seen more than 20 different human faces in their entire lives, are, like, kind of stunned by this. They're like, who are these people? And, of course, the sannyasins are as irritating as possible, as they can possibly be, uh, about about the fact that they're, like, all enlightened and they're on the path and they're gonna save the world and these people are like, can we just tend to our fucking cows? So <laughs> was right about the then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> I'm drawing a lot. Oh, I could hear the shock in your voice as soon as I said that, too. I was like, yes, I got him. <laughs> He's trapped. Dude, I cut so much out for James. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's oh, never so ending shock value. <laughs> <laughs> You're cutting that part out? That's disappointing. <laughs> so, like I was saying, the response from the sannyasins, uh, who are, like, they're seeing these old people, and the old people are like, oh my god, these people are so strange. They're all wearing red, and they're all, like, got a po picture of a creepy dude in their pocket. You know, they don't know what to do about it. And the sannyasins, uh, they interpret this as bigotry. Um, and so they start rubbing it in these people's faces. Haha, we're taking over your town. There's 2,000 of us. There's only 75 of you. Fuck you, you know. We're the new, we're the new world order we're gonna save the planet we're gonna open 15 7-11s on one street corner <laughs> well close they actually uh, this takes the form of buying out all the like most of the houses and businesses and replacing them with like sannyasin bullshit um so this begins with buying out the only local diner which is a small classic american diner where everyone meets all the time like after church or whatever and they turn it into a vegetarian bullshit lounge where the locals are basically... So the locals go and try... They're like, hey, we'll give it a shot. Like, vegetarian shit. Like, we'll try it. They go in and the, uh, the people there are, like, super arrogant and being really mean to them for being old and being like, why can't I order a hamburger, you know? Um, and, like, there's t television interviews with these, with these people who, like, ate there. And they walk out and they're like, I'm never going to eat there again because they were assholes. <laughs> oh, man. Tell me this... This story ends with him, like, poisoning the entire town of non-sinyasins at the restaurant. You know what? Fuck you. <laughs> I will end the story that way. <laughs> Don't you tempt me. He throws, like, a big, like, this is his master plan. He comes in, 
he gets everyone to hate him, and then he decides to throw a big, like, festival, invites the whole town, and then poisons all the non-Sinyasins at this big thing. Boom. See, that Control would be the, the smart town. play. That would be the smart play. <laughs> Um, all right, so this also this harassment also takes the form of the Sanyasins forming their own unofficial police force, dressed in red, of course, and they were enforcing laws on the people that were literally not laws. Uh, and I can't I can't didn't even find any examples of this, but in the show they're talking about it, they're like, yeah, there's like a curfew for you people. Like we can be out all night, but like you have to be in by eight and shit like that. Uh, they just drive around in their trucks and like make you do stupid things. Um, it takes, so this harassment also takes the form of Ma Anand Sheila, who is Mr. Rajner's secretary, um, which means a lot more than you might think. Uh, she calls everyone in the town bigoted on live TV multiple times, uh, for like maybe having a problem with people literally having sex in the streets. How funny would it be if like the secretary was the only one not getting laid? It's like a role reversal like you know the like the trope is like the businessmen are always fucking their secretaries that cheat on their wives like what if the secretary was the only one in this cult who wasn't getting laid dude if you start a cult i will join because that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> she was in love with bhagwan and oh, he would boy. never he would never do her and that like really pissed her off and he knew it too <laughs> he didn't want to ruin the friendship right so Anyway, so there's an aspect of this that I'm not interested in covering in detail. It's it's about legality and laws and things, and that's most of, like, what the problems were. Because the Rajneeshis were, like, doing everything they could to take advantage of loopholes and laws to take power in town. Um, but suffice to say, throughout this entire thing, just know that there are lawsuits up the ass everywhere. Like, everybody's suing everybody. It's a complete legal mess. And... Yes, obviously, nobody's happy, because soon as Oshkosh landed his plane, his people started causing problems. But they had also begun building. What are An they Oshkosh doing? bagosh? Oshkosh bagosh. What are they store? building? That, did he found that store? Like, no, am I... I would oh. think he did, but, you know, who knows. So, they're actually building a city for Rajnaj for free in the desert. Like, <laughs> it's a in real or city. Is there, a, there are deserts in Oregon? Uh, yeah. Hmm. They found one. <laughs> and they're building a city there. <laughs> what, um, if they, what if there wasn't one there that just burned down all the trees and just dumped a bunch of dump truck loads of sand there? Like, we found you a desert, master. <laughs> it's very I would small, not be, but... <laughs> I would not be surprised if that was a thing that they actually did for him at some point. Because <laughs> the shit they do for Bhagwan, we'll get there. We'll get there. So let me tell you about this city a little bit, though. Okay? So, it's hooked up with its own fire department, police stations, stations... Restaurants, malls, a hotel, you guessed it, called Hotel Rajneesh. They've got public transport, a post office, and an airport. This was Sound real. <laughs> Sounds like if they just minded their own business, everything would be fine. Isn't that true? <laughs> they were, like, largely self-sufficient. They had plenty of money. Um, all that good shit. Um, and meanwhile, okay, here's where shit gets kind of hilarious, okay? Once they got the city going and everything was going along, Rajneesh just stops talking publicly. Like, he stopped talking to his followers. <laughs> Altogether. The only person he would talk to was uh, Sheila, his secretary. Because apparently he's so fucking deep, he just he just can't speak right now. No, just can't do it. Nope, too deep for you. Mm. Did you did you ever play Fallout 3 before? Yeah. This kind of reminds me of Harold, the tree. Yeah. Where he like he gets the tree, he turns, he's slowly turning into a tree, 
And initially, like, he gets a cult following and he fucks with them just for the hell of it. And then he gets bored. And by the time you stroll around, he's like, just fucking kill me already. Yeah. These people won't do it. They yeah. love me too much. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually hilarious because that is very close to what happens. So he turns his... into a tree. That's a, that's, that's, he's come full circle. He started the cult under a tree. He ends turning into a tree. <laughs> that's Boom, true and beautifully poetic. <laughs> so his secretary, Ma Anand Sheila is given complete control of everything. And she's the only one he'll talk to. Uh, but not have it, sex with. And But not have sex with, no. Um, <laughs> and so he gives her all all his orders and things, but he never says it to anybody else. And um, all he does for like four years is roll around in one of his 93 Rolls-Royce vehicles. 93. He waves at people and he selects new women he wants to bang by passing out flowers. Like he just rolls up in the car... He's, he, he taps the driver, stop, he gets out with a bouquet, and he pulls a flower out of the bouquet, and he gives it to you. And that means he wants to see you later. Which it's pretty is simple, easy to, just, easy to interpret. There's a, video, there's a video of him giving a woman, like, 30 bouquets of flowers because he really wants to bang her. <laughs> It's like those uh, the memes that were going around a while ago with, like, the, the horny Indian dudes, like, send bobs and vagine. Oh god! Just like doing that, but with flowers. Jesus! Like what? <laughs> There's like literally a note <laughs> attached to the bouquet. Show Bob's and Vagine. Or like in the in Robin and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, when uh, what's his name? Ah, uh, fuck, my Alan Rickman. Mm. Like he walks up to the two girls. He's like six o'clock, six fifteen. <laughs> That's fucked up. Oh, All right, boy. so, oh, I want to add one more detail here, okay? He, he the reason he had ninety three Rolls Royces, um, was because his followers were trying to buy three hundred and sixty five of them so he could have a different one every day of the year. That's a decent goal. I mean, <laughs> I just find it crazy. I mean, but maybe. I mean, if you drive them every day, you keep them running enough. So that way, I mean, he could probably they could probably still be driving these Rolls Royces today just because they're not wearing out. They've got so many of them. That's true. He would just drive along, like, roads in the city, and people, like, would line the streets. And he would drive by, and they would all be freaking out. Osho! Well, they didn't say Osho because he wasn't named Osho yet. They were just, Bogwan! Give me a flower! <laughs> he gives a flower to a dude, and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this does not go how I expected Yep. So anyway, Sheila tells the people that Rajneesh has had a vision of the future, where two thirds of all living souls will die of AIDS. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's just like the the Freudian guilt of been living in a sex cult for the past however many years. I mean, eventually you're gonna have some nightmares about STDs. Yeah, it's like you, okay, two thirds of the people in the, in the world are gonna die of AIDS. Are you helping? <laughs> it's like um. John Mulaney, it's like John Mulaney said about Bill Clinton. He said, back in the 90s when I knew him, his, uh, his work with the STD community was not in prevention whatsoever. The STD community? Oh! Because oh, oh, like, he was oh. talking about how Bill Clinton is part of like an AIDS charity now, and he's like, back in the 90s, like he had nothing to do with prevention of STDs. He's had this vision where two-thirds of people die of AIDS, and in the meantime, he's just getting fucked up on nitrous oxide and Valium and writing books. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> How do you think I write the podcast every week? <laughs> he like literally hired a dentist to give him nitrous oxide. 
I feel man. like if he has his own town and he controls the police, like I feel like you could get drugs pretty easily. Like, oh yeah, that's what are you gonna do? Too. Pull over your god for doing weed? Like, no, fucking on your way, sir. Have sex with my wife tonight if you want. Exactly. Well, pretty much exactly that. <laughs> um, of course, there were no marriages in this cult. Everything, nobody got married. Um, uh, except, oh, except for immigration fraud. So these Westerners were not just from America. They were from all over the world. So they needed to get their, their papers pretty quick. So they just like went to Dallas and like pretended to have normal lives for like a couple months, applied for citizenship when they got married or whatever, got it, and then went right back to the cult. Um, <laughs> uh. Hey, so you know what else is a tale as old as time? Religious terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> It turns out that this ultra-new-age city in the desert, where people are having orgies in parts of your stupid city that you named after Muhammad and Jesus, well, that really pisses people off. They're like, they're in Muhammad Grove, and they're fucking each other, and they're going, I love Muhammad. And you hear about this, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> this can't be happening. So what happens? Well, <laughs> a radical... Bombs. A, exactly. A radical Islamic group sets off a bomb in Hotel Rajneesh. <laughs> but not the one in Rajneeshpuram, which is the city. Um, it's the one in Portland. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, they just blow the thing to hell. And nobody dies, but it sends a message. Uh, Pathetic. A mes yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kill Shitty count terrorists. zero. <laughs> F plus. Um, so it sends this message, and this message is that... Uh, is it goes to Sheila and she's like oh shit like we're in trouble and she like believes she hears it loud and clear and she's like oh these bigot fuckers you know they're they're like <laughs> they're gonna kill us they're gonna kill us all and you know they start like they're amassing she starts amassing arms and she starts training everyone how to kill people um she's building an army in this group of 2000 and growing people and she, she calls this the Rajneeshpuram Peace Force of course yeah it's a peace force. Yeah. It's like peace, the Democratic People's people. Republic of Korea. Yeah. It's a democracy in a republic combined into one word. Yeah, it's like democracy in America. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah. So, on top of the whole bomb thing, uh, apparently they're getting spooked by some ranchers who are riding around their land. Not their land, but their own land with weapons. Like, ranchers do. They're, like, looking over the hills with binoculars, and they're like, there's a guy herding cows at night, and he's got a rifle. They're coming to kill us! Those fuckers are up to something. <laughs> Those old people in cowboy hats are... <laughs> there's 75 of them, for God's sake. Alright, so, like, there's, there's footage of these people running drills in their little red outfits, talking shit about the geriatric ward next door, and how they're gonna defend themselves to the death of those evil bigots try to start something. This is a thing that Sheila says multiple times on public television, which causes the FBI to subscribe to their YouTube channel. <laughs> um, yeah, so the FBI this was, was like... Before, this was before the Patriot Act, so you actually did have to say some shit like this for the FBI to legally start stalking you. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. But they're, like, on TV all the time because they're so weird. And they're saying such crazy things, and they're also... Sheila, you gotta watch the documentary, dude. Sheila is acting like a literal fascist dictator at this point. And she's boasting, and she's proud, and her attitude is for shit, and she's making wild threats left and right. She's still alive, um, surprisingly. I wonder um, if she's gotten laid yet. She did not bang the Bhagwan, I can tell you that for well, sure. Well, I think, I think all of this is coming from... I'm gonna go psychoanalyst on this. 
is this is a sexual frustration right here at its peak because she's living in a sex cult and she can't she can't get people to have sex with her and so this sexual tension is being built up and so she channels it into something else which is the, her totalitarian message Orwell goes into this in 1984 that's why there's things like the junior anti-sex league the state makes having sex sh shunned upon people can use that energy about thinking about sex all the time to love the state and be the better working member of Inksock. Yeah, I love that book. It's crazy. And the movie. Did you ever see the, the 1984 movie? Yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah, see, that's my thing. It's like, I don't think it's a great movie, but I do think they capture the vibe really the well. Prob the problem with turning it into a movie is, like, half of that book is just, like, a theoretical, like, dissertation. And it's you true. You really can't make that into a movie. It's just him lecturing the world about the evils of totalitarianism, which is fine, but once again, unless he's, like, giving a speech, it's kind of hard for it to translate into a movie. It's true. It's because it's why, yeah. It's it like, it, go ahead. Sorry. His like dissertation like derails the narrative. Like he just like stops, and he's the, he, the main character is literally reading a book for like a quarter of the the runtime of the book. <laughs> it's just someone reading another book inside of your book, basically. That's so meta. I need to get me some weed. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. We gotta get through this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, how far are we in, by the way? Oh shit, an hour and a half. Okay, I'm, I, and a half. it speeds up from here. I promise. Uh, that's what you think. <laughs> you keep saying that, and I'm getting scared. All right. So, did I did I mention that the Sanyasins have complete political control of Antelope now? Like, it's not just unofficial, like, oh, we have way more fucking people than you. They're, like, they've, like, gotten into office by voting themselves into office, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, in majority. I mean, even if all 75 of the residents vote against your candidate, you have 2,000 people. Exactly. So... They put themselves into political power in the city, and of course they, they do what you do when you do that. You uh, you change the name of the town. To what? R I'm just going to let you guess. Rajbashan. Rajneesh. <laughs> well, that's the, the same. name of the sound. you got you got to make the name a little bit different. Rajbashan. It means city of Rajbishan or whatever the fuck is. I still don't know his name. I've been here for an hour and a half talking yeah. about him. I still can't pronounce his name. Uh... <laughs> This is that guy in the desert. Um, they changed all the street names, too, because, of course, to, like, Jesus Way and Mohammed Street and Buddha Trail, and it's just stupid. Um, I mean, but, is there any... Has there ever any... Is, I'm, I'm having a stroke over here. Has there ever... <laughs> has there ever been any street name that's ever made sense before? Like, I mean, I feel like, if anything, we can't criticize them on that because... Normal non-cult people come up with shitty street names all the time too. So true. I'm gonna cut them some slack on this one. Let me tell you something though. I used to live on a road that was called State Line Road, and you know why it was called State Line Road? <coughs> because it was on the county line. <coughs> I'd tell you, yeah. but I'm dying. You all right there, buddy? Yeah. So it was literally on the state line of Wisconsin and Illinois. I could throw a rock from Wisconsin to Illinois. It was awesome, and I thought it was super cool because I was nine. <laughs> Okay, so they're not Resolute. done. Though. They're not done with. I'm sorry. I, I got to We got to keep moving. <laughs> Focus. Okay, they're not done. They want. They want more than the town. They want that county. Okay, because the county's starting to be like, hey, you're being weird. Um, Dream the problem big. is, what's that? You you get the county, you control the sheriffs. Right. And then the exactly. only thing that's going to come after you after that is the state police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But here's the thing. The problem with wanting to take over the rest of the county is that the rest of the county outnumbers them. Um, Use all those guns. Yeah, not by much, though. Then um, I heard. <laughs> they, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the, the brilliant political strategy. You just murder your way to plurality. Uh, basically. They have a better answer, though, okay? And the answer is obvious, all right? You're gonna se- they're gonna send their fleet of buses all over the country to pick up desperate homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So these, these buses just start showing up in major cities, and they're just like, "Hey, uh, you want some food? How about some clothing? How about a job? How about an alcohol ration?" Like that's how they get oh, them. Boy. On the- all you have to do is get on the bus, and you get free beer. <laughs> I need to. I need. I want to join this cult. We've got guns, sex. All right. Well, not so fast. Free just alcohol. Older- so, of course, all these homeless people are like, fuck yeah, we'll go. Um, and they jump on the bus. <laughs> That's a federal crime. That's interstate election fraud tampering. Uh, yeah, we're getting there. So the problem is um, they don't the, the they don't even require them to wear the red outfit or anything. They just, I don't know, well, maybe they did require it. Either way, a lot of the homeless people started wearing <laughs> oh, red. If you don't know, I don't know. I mean, you're the. I didn't know who this guy existed until... An hour and a half ago. So <laughs> don't come to me for help when you can't figure it out. All right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you sent me the script, like, or the not script, 15 minutes before the show started. That's true. And I didn't read it. And like 20 minutes after kidnapping you. So yeah, so the chloroform was still. I was a little bit hazy when we started the show. <laughs> so they truck in all these people of the streets and give them food and shit. And the trade-off is basically that they have to register to vote in Wasco County. And vote only for sannyasins in the upcoming elections. And these homeless people are like, fuck yeah, I got a place to sleep, free food and beer. Maybe I'll join this little religion at the end of this and turn my life around. Um, Because here's the thing. um, At least this was the claim on the part of Sheila and the sannyasins is that there was no addiction at all in the place. Except for, of course, Bhagwan, but nobody knew it, so it didn't matter. Um, Like, there were addicts who had, like, turned their lives completely around by joining the sannyasins. So they're like, hey, you know, we'll give you alcohol, we'll give you food, but if you stick around, you might get sober. They're like, okay, even better. So the sannyasins are whacking themselves off on the media, talking about how beautiful this little initiative is, and oh, it has nothing to do with the upcoming elections. No, we just care about the homeless people. This is a worldwide movement. We're so good and brave. And, I mean, that's what they're doing on the TV. You can go watch the clips. They're like, we're so great. Um, but not so fast, you stupid assholes. The Wasco County clerk enforces a single rule that makes this not happen. So, what do the virtuous little sannyasins do with their homeless people? They kill them. No, they kick them the fuck out. And they don't just kick them out, like, go home. They kick them out into the streets of Antelope. Uh, they couldn't even bother to bust them back to their home city. And these, these are people from, like, across the country. And they're just in the middle of nowhere. Um... But the sannyasins got to win the votes, right? Still got to do it. So what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Well, Neil, I got to tell you, you called it. They poisoned the fucking water hole. <laughs> yes. So the sannyasins, led by Ma and Aunt Sheila and her merry men and women, conspired to commit the largest biological terror attack in the history of the United States. I'm not kidding. They, and not just conspire, they actually fucking create the largest biological terror attack in the history of the United States. Oh boy. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Sheila had also bugged every building in the Ranchero. Of and she, she was taping fucking everything. Um, there were like towers where guys were just sitting up there like swapping out tapes and listening to bugs. And having um, sex. 
and, and having sex as well, of course. Um, you know, oh, hold, hold up, hold up, stop, stop. I gotta switch, switch the tape. Okay, thanks. All right, carry on. <laughs> um, That's code for switching positions. Yeah. From going from missionary to doggy. Swapping tapes. <laughs> yep. Swapping spit and the swapping tapes. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> swap that spit. Swap those tapes. Don't get them confused or you break the tape recorder. And now we swap partners. Here we go. <laughs> the tower the window's recorder. like getting all foggy. <laughs> <laughs> that scene from the Titanic, but there's like 15 hands on like all the different glass panes. <laughs> God. Okay, so she's taping everything. All right, and um, she would later on claim that she had tapes of Bhagwan Rajneesh telling her that it was eventually going to be necessary to kill people in order to stay in Oregon. Because at this point, they had fucked over the populace so much. They're like, yeah, like, we made them all mad and called them all bigots because even when they're not, and they're just, like, wondering what the hell we're doing, and, you know, we... we we uh, literally, like, bust in homeless people to try and outvote them in their own elections. Like, they kind of hate us, so they're probably gonna have to die, like Bhagwan was saying this to Sheila. Um, and she also had a tape of himself basically saying he was Hitler reincarnated and that Hitler did nothing wrong. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so we're there. <laughs> going, we're going full circle with the totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. So... Rajneesh, when he finally came out and started speaking again, claims he had no knowledge of what she... Because remember, he's been silent for like four fucking years. Hasn't said a damn thing to his people. Um, he would come out later and say, I had no, I didn't know she was doing that, dude. And just throwing her under the bus. It's completely ridiculous. She's a bitch. That's why I never had sex with her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> dude, you are a fucking prophet. <laughs> he literally said that on national television. He says, she is a bitch. I never had sex with her. <laughs> And that I did is not why. have sexual relations with that woman. Except in an Indian accent. <laughs> I did not. No, I'm not going to. Nope, after the past two episodes, I've tried to recreate accents and I've failed miserably. I tried to do a Turkish accent and then I sounded fucking Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so I've given up on accents. I, I've put that part of me in the past and I'm just leaving it there in the cupboard to, grow, to gather dust. I'm going to actually mark this so I can drop in the clip of him calling her a bitch. She did not prove to be a woman. She proved to be a perfect bitch. <laughs> it's like one of the first thing he's, things he says. She, she is a, a bitch. bitch. <laughs> does he actually call her a bitch? She does. He actually calls her a bitch. And he actually tells people that she's a bitch because he didn't have sex with her. That's your intro line right there. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Fucking mark it. All right. So anyway, these absolute motherfuckers planted salmonella in the damn salad bars. Um... <laughs> At, like, local restaurants. They put it in grocery stores. Uh, they put it on urinal handles in the state house. Like, they put it everywhere. I and knew a woman who tried to kill her husband. You, like, knew a woman who did Well, that? like, my, my dad knew her. We, like, we, the family knew her. She was trying to poison her husband with antifreeze. She was putting it in his orange uh, juice in the morning and in the mayonnaise. Oh, Jesus. And she told the cops afterwards. She got caught. That's how we knew about it. Uh-huh. That the kids never ate the mayonnaise, so they were safe, and they didn't drink the orange juice until one day she came out and she saw the kids having sandwiches with fucking mayonnaise on it. So she was poisoning her own children too, and didn't even realize it. Oh my god! But yeah, Fuck. salmonella in the, the salad bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it infects 751 people, uh, including a two-day-old baby who was given a five percent chance of survival. 
Um, baby lived, but that's not the point. These people literally poisoned babies. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll get the that'll get the FBI perking up. Yeah, they not only subscribe to the YouTube channel now, they're commenting. <laughs> yeah, they they click the bell icon. Yep. <laughs> so people were actually like afraid to leave their homes during this panic because it was like widespread. It was like everyone is getting sick and everyone is in the hospital and the hospitals are overflowing. Don't go out. Don't leave your homes. Don't eat at restaurants. You know, the restaurants are losing like thousands of dollars. You know, they're having to shut down and everything. I feel so- like salmonella is like a really passive aggressive way to try to kill a population and there's so many different ways that you can get around that literally just by cooking your food it's basically like the uh scarecrow's plan in batman begins like oh we're gonna poison people but with a poison that has to be inhaled by vaporizing the water instead of just i don't know fucking poisoning the water with a poison that didn't require all these extra steps yeah well it was a it was a particular strain of salmonella Um, okay it was slightly more deadly but I think they nipped it in the bud fast enough that nobody died, and they figured out that it was a, you know, it was a uh, terror attack pretty quick. Um, so the media starts freaking out, and everyone in the county knows who did it. They're like, "Oh, it was them. Uh huh, it was them." And of course, the Sanyasins lie and accuse the bigoted citizens of antelope. They say, "Ah, they staged the whole thing to frame us. We're a peaceful people who have five hundred guns and a trained army." <laughs> like, <laughs> boy. Yeah, so the people of Wasco County know what's going on. And despite their fears, when the election day comes and most of them are sick, they still show up in absolute droves to vote against Sanyasin uh, candidates. And well, they yeah, up- you just tried to poison them. I mean, yeah. I've had some disagreements politically with some of my friends, but they never tried to poison me because of it, as far as I know. So, I mean, I'm still friends with them. The fuck you vote is powerful, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and the people of Wasco County actually won everything. So, hooray for that. Um, and meanwhile, Sheila's back at home, you know, sitting around, smoking a cigarette or not, because nobody's addicted to anything there. Yeah. And she's like, huh, I think I should hire assassins to kill Rajneesh's girlfriend. Of course. And also his personal doctor. Um, because, one, the girlfriend, you know, she's getting it with Rajneesh, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the personal weird doctor. If she wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the personal doctor is a target because he. Um, Sheila said she had a tape of of uh, Bhagwan basically saying, "Hey man, like, can you kill me?" <laughs> oh boy. And so she's like, "We have to get a person to kill the doctor before he kills Bhagwan." And the woman she gets is is Jane Stork, who's this uh, Australian nitwit who got sucked into it. Um, she's not a nitwit anymore. She got out, um, but then she was a nitwit. Um, she got she got this woman. I'm telling you, she got this woman to stab this man in the ass with a poisoned syringe. Oh boy! That's because a... yeah, what is it with these people in poison? Like they have all these guns. Why not just fucking shoot him? Um, Turn him into a martyr, sneak into his quarters, shoot him in the head, claim that Bhagwan was the next Martin Luther King and the FBI or the CIA took him out. Boom. Instant martyrdom status, and it takes care of your problem. I mean, I see your point, Neil, but if you shoot a person, then you have to actually, like, deal with the person who did the shooting, unless you don't catch them. But, like, a poison, like, you can... They were at a concert, and she, like, walked through the the crowd all Assassin's Creed style and just, like... like, Stabbed him in the ass. She goes, goes, Devaraj, come here. And he, like, comes in close, and she's like, I'll have a message from Sheila. And she just stabs him right in the ass. 
And he's like, what the fuck? He feels it, and he, like, starts walking out of the room, and he's, like, weakening and falling on his face. And, like, you know, he didn't he didn't die, actually, which is interesting. I'm just saying um, a sniper out of concealment, and then you can shoot the – you can frame somebody to do it. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that were angry with them. You say, oh, the government came in and assassinated him. Now we have a martyr. Boom. Now it's time for holy war. We're going to go to war with the county, and we're going to take the elections by force because we're totalitarians now. If you ever start a cult, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you got this shit figured out. So, uh, yeah. So, like, Sheila had this guy, had this lady try to kill a guy because she was afraid this guy was going to kill Master Bogbody. I mean, it's actually insane. Actually, like, just insane. Um, but this is when Bogwan finally comes out and breaks his deep silence, right? He's like, I, I am no longer deep. I, I must speak to my people. And he comes out. Um, and he does this when Sheila leaves the country for like a couple of weeks. And, and this is when he calls Sheila a bitch-ass fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Almost those words exactly on TV. <laughs> and he said she did all this stuff without his knowledge or permission. And then he's like, FBI, please come in, investigate, turn this whole thing upside down. Like, I... I want to be exonerated. And the FBI is like, shit, okay. <laughs> we got a snitch. And by the way, everyone's watching this shit on TV. Like, th this drama is unfolding before the American public. The whole world, actually. They're like, what the hell is happening out there? So, What the year FBI, is this, by the way? Because we've been going all over the timeline. What year are we at right now? This is like in 1984. Oh, 1985. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> the FBI is like driving into Raj Rajneeshpuram and turning it upside down, looking for evidence. Of the whole biological terrorism thing, and the sannyasins are acting like on TV, and they're like, "Oh, it's so unjust, and we're so afraid and innocent." And the media's like, "I don't know." Like for once, the media is not buying it. The reporters are like, "But you have a standing army of 500 people," and they're like, ah, "We're peaceful, and we all we want to do is 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 rob this this town of its power and its identity, and then we want the county, and then perhaps Oregon." But we're we're innocent, and we're very scared of you. Like they should have. They should have said, "Well, why would we bother with poison if we have all these guns and people? Mm. Wouldn't we just shoot these people?" Boom, done, exonerated. I mean, and meanwhile, they're like literally stabbing people in the ass. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's gotten there. They're very, this is a very passive-aggressive cult. Yeah, <laughs> like they like they don't do anything directly. Everything is indirect. Yeah, it's like poisoning, you don't die instantly. Let me talk, instead of let me talk to my fascist secretary for once, oh, let me just call her a bitch on national television. Yeah. <laughs> instead of murdering someone, let me just stab them in the ass with a syringe of something that might not work. Instead of shooting people, let's just give them an easily treatable and detectable disease. Yes, that'll do it. <laughs> so, the FBI is like, alright, so we got enough evidence to extradite Sheila. She's still out of the country, and she knows that Bhagwan's onto it. And she heard him call her a bitch on TV. So she's like, oh, fuck. And they extradite her, and she goes to jail. Um, where she's sentenced to 60 years in prison. Uh, three separate counts of 20 years. Um, but, nah, she's out in three years. Uh, and she would go on to be just as insane as she was there. She was tried and convicted of trying to assassinate the uh, senator who was going after her during this period in 1999, I think. But she was tried in some European fucking country, I don't remember. And they were like, yeah, you did it, but we're not going to make you do anything. You're not going to go to jail. It's okay. It's not our senator. We don't give a shit. Yeah. 
don't fuck with our senators. Anyway, so Rajneesh comes out to talk again, and he claims he's not a religious leader. <laughs> he tells his people, I am not a religious leader. I did and, not have sex with that woman. And here's the thing. His followers are, like, so into him. They're like, oh, my God, this is so meta. He's, like, a religious leader, but not. And they're like, wow. How do he I- really is Harold the Tree from Fallout 3. Yeah, he can't get out of it. He's fucked. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> Uh, no wonder get, he was he trying to get, get his poisoned. dentist to kill his ass. <laughs> yeah. He tries to get his dentist to kill him, and then he gets counter-assassinated, and even that doesn't work. This poor guy can't die. He wanted out of this cult like 10 years ago. Yeah. He's like, I'll just be quiet. Maybe that'll shut them up. And they're like, oh, my God, he's so, so mystical. Deep. So He's mystical. saving up the tension for his next great speech. Yeah. So when he announces he's uh, he's not a religious leader, everyone's like, oh, my God. And they're, like, dancing and shit. They're, like, happy. There's a video of them like, yay, it's not a religion. Fuck religion. We're not religious. Um, because he tells them, um, he like pulls the ultimate party foul. He's like, this is the last thing I can say. Um, and if you guys fall for this or like read this the wrong way, I just, I'll just fucking shut up again. So he calls Rajneeshism. He says, this is a religionless religion. That's a quote. This is like atheist church. I know. <laughs> Hey, have you ever been to an atheist church? No, I haven't. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. I went to one, and I, I walked out halfway through, like, lit up a cigarette. I'm like, fuck. Put on your Tribly hat and walk down the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, I left the Trilby hat behind. <laughs> it's just, like, in the foreground, my sh- silhouette is walking away, and then the credits start rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so his followers continue to praise his holy name because now that's a religionless religion and they burn 5,000 copies of his book. I don't know why. <laughs> they, they wanted to bump up book sales, so everyone, instead of having two copies, they just bought two and then burnt one. Yeah, probably. I wonder if that's it became... How you get, that's how you get on the bestseller list. That's true. That's how Shit. Hitler did it. That's why you, <laughs> all those books he was burning were just copies of Mein Kampf. Wow, uh, that's a... Mind fuck. <laughs> yeah. So finally, in the late October of 1985, uh, when uh, Marty McFly is going back in time, a federal jury comes up with an excuse, finally, to get rid of Rajneesh. Um, you would think that you could legally expel or break up a massive armed invasion force with a history of bioterrorism automatically, but like any cult, the Rajneeshis are lawyered up like crazy, and the lawyers are, of course, Rajneeshis as well, so they're they're kind of tricky, you know? Yeah. Um, tricky. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Okay. You're going to have a fun time editing this one. Oh, dude, I'm so ready. <laughs> Last time I edited it, I nearly listened to the whole thing. I usually don't. I mark it so I don't have to do that. But Rasputin was one that I listened to the whole thing in editing and... Um, I listened yeah. to ours a couple. I listened to once, you know, once on ours or my show, and then I went on your guys. It's like, oh, I'll throw them a view. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We need especially especially after our off the rails episode when you were like, oh, we only have a few hundred listeners. It's like, oh fuck, now I feel bad. <laughs> I go listen to their show. Um, anyway, okay. So Rasputin, I mean Rajneesh. Rajneesh. <laughs> uh, so the excuse that the jury, this federal jury, comes up with. Uh, to indict Rajneesh may actually not be, like, an excuse. It may not be total bullshit. In fact, there's really good evidence, enough to indict him anyway. 
um, that he has been manip manipulating and evading immigration laws. And this includes sending his fucking people to Dallas to get married and pretend to be, uh, you know, actual American citizens. Anchor babies. Mm. But the reason this doesn't matter so much is that the rumor is going around that Rajneeshi land, um, or sorry, in Rajneeshi land, that the National Guard is going to literally invade and arrest Rajneesh. And, of course, that is actually going to fucking happen. Um, <laughs> and it, it's it's happened before, almost. Because um, Sheila did her whole thing where she went on TV and said they'll literally go to war with the United States if they try to stop them. Sure. Uh, and she's on, on record as making plans to use women and children as human shields in a firefight, by the way. Like, I'm not kidding. Like... Who needs Kevlar? You can just get a baby Bjorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Strap him to your chest. All right, kid. <laughs> Put your arms down. You're getting in the way of my sight picture. Oh, God. I just thought of a really bad joke that I'm not going to tell. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell on, it. I'm, I've I'm crossed tell the it. line like 15 times already today. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell it. And it's not what even that you, good. It just has what to, can you say that's going to be worse than some of the shit that I've said today? <laughs> okay, it's like Field of Dreams, okay? In the free love city of Rajneesh, uh, Param, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can, I can quit the podcast now. <laughs> there we go. Let's just end it right there. All right, so Rajneesh... Let me finish the story. <laughs> so Rajneesh is like, okay, I'm fucked. So he jumps on a plane in his airport, at his airport, and flies right out of Raj Rajneesh Param. Uh, with as many as much gold and jewels as he can carry, and he gets uh, shot down. No, um, damn it! They almost scrambled fighter jets. Um, I don't know if they did. I'm not sure. Pretty sure that's illegal. Well, I guess that they consider it a foreign invading power. They're yeah. allowed to use military at, force on at this American point, soil. Yeah, at this point, he's been officially indicted, so he's on the run. He's oh, he's a fugitive. Yeah, so he's going to Bermuda, um, so that he can't be extradited. Uh, and he doesn't say a damn thing to his followers. He just one day is like on a plane and they're like, oh, he's on a holy mission or something. Like, there's nothing he can do. He's, he's just like, at, to heaven. at a certain point, he's just like, fuck y'all. I'm out of here. Like, and then he just left. And he took, he took a million dollars worth of, no, more than that, like $5 million worth of gold and jewels. Um, and well, the feds have this, this little thing you might've heard of called radar. <laughs> so... They pick up on him pretty quick, but they're not really sure where he's going. They're like, he's probably going to Bermuda, but we, we don't know. And they did know that his plane was small enough that it was going to have to stop for fuel somewhere. So they calculate which airports he's most likely to visit and mobilize agents and police to arrest him while he's on the ground. So Rajneesh, you know, out of gas, lands his plane in North Carolina and is immediately arrested by waiting police officers. And so everyone's like, oh, my God, he's been arrested. And, you know, people in Rajneesh Param are like, this is fucked. Like, everything's falling apart. What the hell? Um, and uh, then they fly him. They're like, okay, we're going to send you back to Oregon. And there's a 10-day period in which they're legally allowed to do this, after which they, they can't transport him or something like that. Um, so it's 10 days long. And so they fly him from city to city all over the United States for 10 full days, like flight after flight, presumably as a fuck you gesture. Um, <laughs> and finally, they get him back to Oregon and they sentence him for his crimes. He gets a 10 year suspended sentence, five years probation, a $400,000 fine, or he can agree, agree to leave the United States. So what's he do with, uh, with all his people still in their little ranch? 
He fucks off. He leaves. That's, that's the American justice system way. Yeah, we don't feel like dealing with it. Send them back to where they came from. Mm-hmm. Deport him. Well, I mean, come on. He's got an armed peace force. He Wrong. He poisoned 750 people. Wrong. It was right. Sheila. Lies. Mm -hmm. Fake news. So he goes home. And uh, in India, he's greeted back at his old ashram where things really began by his old followers. And that's when have he tells... Been, what? Sorry. Have they been keeping it up this entire time? Like, they didn't get pissed they were left behind uh, no, in India? They, They're like, oh, <laughs> I guess we're just going to keep doing this. They kept it going. Um, so anyway, uh, he, he tells his followers when he gets there, he gets off the plane, he looks around, and he says, the United States is going to end the world if he keeps acting like this. <laughs> like, that's what he tells oh. them. Um, and then he vows to, like, basically stop the United States, and of course he doesn't, because he's just some fucker with a weird beard. Um, so many of his that, non- And that's why India became a nuclear power. He got into the political spe uh, spectrum, and this is around the time where India got its nuclear bombs. It was around the 80s and 90s, so I'm just saying. Connections, the puzzle pieces are fitting together. Boom, boom. It's all been, he's playing the long game. Yep. But here's the thing, remember, he's not welcome in India. That's why he left in the first place. Uh, and, you know, India's cracking down. They're like, all right, we're not dealing with this again. They start revoking passports of his followers. Um, so they have to go home. His, you know, little community is sort of shrinking. Um, he might be in danger, actually, because, you know, it, there's a large Muslim population. There's a large Hindu population. They're pissed off with him, like, having orgies in Mohammed Valley or whatever. So about that whole Mohammed Street thing. Yeah, um, not, not safe. So he's like, he just starts this his crazy journey where he flies all over the world looking for a new home. Um, he goes to Geneva, Stockholm, London, but he's rightfully refused entry every time. They're like, no, not here, buddy. You thought. What? That's the, that's the whole joke. Oh, it's okay. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a comeback. It's like someone saying, oh, I thought mm -hmm. this was going to happen. Like, you thought. But you didn't think correct, no. right? I don't know. No, no, you just cut it off right at you thought. Like he's landing and he's like going up to customs and they're like, nope, fuck off. And so he goes to Canada. They don't even let him land the plane. They're like, turn the fuck around, dude. Shoot it down. Yeah. So he flies to Ireland. Like the plane just spins around. Like, ah, guess we're going to Ireland. Um, and he's allowed in for two weeks and he lives in Limerick and he's allowed there for as long as he keeps his mouth shut. Like, if he starts talking, he's out. Like, you're getting out of here. But it's only for a period of two weeks. And the only country that's going to accept him is Uruguay. Um, and they're like, all right, come on. Like, come on. Like, whatever. We could use something to put us on the map again. So he goes to Besides Uruguay. Besides the Nazis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he goes He goes to, the, uh, to Uruguay, and he starts speaking again. Um, and almost immediately, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you're done. And so they kick him out again. And he goes to a whole bunch of other places, gets kicked out, and finally, like, even Jamaica. He went to Jamaica, and they're like, nope. And he finally returns to India after a long period of rejection after rejection. Um, so keep in mind, though, like, these Caribbean countries have a religion, which is basically, like, voodoo mixed with Christianity and witchcraft, where there's this one temple where people have to crawl on their knees across really sharp rocks to get up to the top of this temple just to pray to the devil. And... This, these, and they said that this guy was too crazy for them when they have <laughs> religions like that bouncing around out there. Yeah, that, that'll tell you something. So anyway, um, he finally, like I said, just returns to India. He's like, ah, fuck it. I'll just go back to India. If they kill me, they kill me, whatever. 
And he goes to his ashram and, you know, just watches the damn thing changing before his eyes. It turns into like a corporate Scientology kind of looking therapy center. Um, people aren't wearing red colored robes anymore. They're like wearing different colored robes now. You know, the, the head priests are wearing black robes. And Rajneesh just starts getting kind of sick. He's like, oh my God, this was a trip. And now I'm just going to fucking die. <laughs> all that, all those poisoning attempts over the years are coming back to bite him finally. Yeah, so he blames some of his followers for uh, casting magic spells on him. Like, he went out and he was like, you're all sure. casting spells on me and it's going to kill me. And then in 1990, he just dies at 58. Hmm. Yeah, and that's it. He's over. Cooked. Sure. Um, his ashes were put in a special room under the words, Osho. Never born, never died, only visited this planet Earth between December 11th, 1931, and January 19th, 1990. And then his followers stood around the urn and jerked off into it. It's yeah, what basically. he would have wanted. <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. Making his ashes into some sort of like concrete like substance. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> That, oh my that, gosh. that wasn't really even just... a line. There wasn't even a line there. I didn't even think I would have to put a line for you to cross. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. Holy God. Going to hell for that one. <laughs> oh, man. There is no hell, remember? So, I didn't write anything about how Sheila ended up. Um, but I'll, I'll try to recall what I remember from the documentary. Basically, she is living in some fucking country. I think Germany, but I don't quote me on it. And she's like, she owns two, uh, like nursing homes that like are death wards or whatever. And she's like, um, this is really fulfilling work. And like, I, I love being, you know, uh, helping people live out their last days and helping them feel peaceful. And it's like all new agey and shit. So there's these dying Germans or whatever, like doing yoga and then dying on the floor. They wrap them up in the yoga mat and just take them outside. Um, all the old Nazi simple, all the old Nazi sympathizers. Yeah. Well, like, have you ever, have you ever seen that show happy before on sci-fi? No. Oh, it's really... It, the first season's on Netflix, and you can stream the second. It's really weird, but there's this one scene where they go into this nursing home, and they find out they're all, like, old Nazis. They all have, like, Wehrmacht uniforms and medals in their closets, and they fight the fight. It's a it's a weird show, but I just... The nursing home and the Nazis, it sort of it made me think of that together. That is... That's pretty weird. It's um, a weird show. Yeah, so the, the assassin, also Jane Stork, the one who stabbed the doctor in the ass... Um, she had an interesting end to her story. She served a long time in prison. I don't remember how long, but way longer than Sheila, which I was just, like, really mad about. Um, just, I mean, it was attempted murder, I guess, but, like, Sh Sheila attempted 750 murders. I mean... Yeah. It's like attempted genocide at that point. Yeah. So, um... Anyway, so she had an interesting story. She had to live outside the country. Um... Uh, because if she went back, they would get her for something else or something like that, and she would go to prison for even longer. Yeah. Um, so she Longer had to, than 750 murders. Yeah. So, but her son was still in the United States, and um, basically he was going to die. Um, he had cancer or something. And she started this petition. She was like, look, I was brainwashed by this crazy religion into stabbing a crazy religious dude who survived. My son's dying. I'd like to come back to the country. 
um, and and see him before he passes away. And so she went, and they like ignored her. They're like, no, you're not gonna come back. Like if you come back, we will arrest you. Started a GoFundMe page to go back to see her son with cancer. Yeah. So here's the thing. She actually did go despite you know knowing she was gonna be arrested because she wanted a last ditch attempt. And she went and basically the jury ruled uh, unanimously that she would not be tried for the crime and she could go see her son. Um, and it was it was kind of awesome because she was like really broken up about it. She's like, the, this cult took everything from me, but it gave me the one thing that I, I love left in this world and that's my son. And, you know, if I can't see him before he dies, uh, you know, I just, you know, I have to do it. I don't buy it. You don't buy it? I don't buy it. Yeah? Why's people that? Who get, he, people who get caught up into authoritarian mindsets like that, especially the leaders of those, generally speaking, are psychopathic and or sociopathic. Huh. So they don't really have connections, but they know how to manipulate the connections of others. And what you just said sounds like a perfect story to manipulate a jury from one of those million-dollar Indian lawyers that they, they've had at the reservation for all these years. Hmm. I think... I think you're better at detecting the mind of evil than I am then, because I yeah. totally bought it. I was like, yeah, that seems like a nice thing. Um, but you might be right, because when you do submit to something like that, that never that never quite leaves you. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're an easy you're an easy target. You'll get sucked into something else, do more crazy I mean, shit. Especially because she was the one who was doing that. I mean, once the once the leader of the cult steps aside and you take the reins and you're literally controlling what's going on, you can't pass the buck off to somebody else if you're the one who's doing all these things yeah well it's it, i want to point out also that like i don't think i've sheila when you look at her talk in the documentary like i don't know if i can think of a more evil sounding person than her like everything yeah. she says is awful and it's it's spiteful and it's vengeful and it's just like it hurts to watch you're like this is a sick person and the thing is like they try to play her off as being redeemed. It's like, oh, I, I, uh, you know, I take care of old people that are dying. It fulfills me. But then at the same time, it's like, she's saying all the same shit she was saying back then. Like, yeah, if I had a chance, we would have taken over that county and then the rest of the world and, you know, made everyone submit to, to the Rajneesh Param or whatever. Yeah. She would have done it. But now she's just an old washed up hag who fucking did the documentary. And, uh, God, like... They end on her, like, saying, like, I think we all need a drink. I'm like, yeah, I think you need, like, enough to kill you. <laughs> you know, I really do think that I could be a successful cult leader because I successfully turned you from being sympathetic to this woman to, like, fuck that bitch. She was lying the entire time. No, no, I'm, in... talk I'm talking about a, a different, I'm talking about Sheila, not Jane Stork. Oh, we're talking about Jane Stork was the one who went back to see her cancer son. Yeah, Jane Stork is the one who went back to see her cancer son. Um, oh, okay. I got confused there. I thought it was Sheila that was trying to play the innocent. All right. No, no, Sheila. I take back this whatever I said the past five minutes. Sheila also is trying to play it innocent, but she's also not hiding her radical beliefs as oh, okay. well. Okay. Right. Um, I think they might have just done it for the show, but um, that is a straight up evil person. She was, you know, ready to kill people. Um, yeah. And. Like fuck. If you want to know what an evil person looks like, like in the making, you gotta watch. You gotta watch Wild Wild Country. Anyway, the show's not about that. The show's about uh, show's about Bhagwan Rajneesh, and he still has following today. Um, they call themselves Osho, not uh, Life Awakening Movement or whatever. And uh, they the ashram still exists, and it's like this digitized Disney World for idiots. Um, it's you can jerk off into his ashes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Fuck you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> so good. Oh, All right, so what do you say we, uh, we head up to the surface and finish this thing? Let's do it before right. we get too far down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Don't trip over that ash, that uh, urn over there. <laughs> we Don't worry, nothing will come out. It's all hardened by now. Oh, God. <laughs> so, James, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? I don't know, James. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to play some Total War... Sure. Drink way too much Guinness on the air. Sure. And eat a Burger King burrito. Do they still make those? Yeah, they do. They only serve them. Oh, wait, breakfast is all day now, right? Because they have to keep up with McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Yep. Always, always living in the shadow. Oh yeah. I don't <laughs> know my fast food menus by heart. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I that, live healthy. That's gonna say that might be a good thing. Well, now I eat plenty of Burger King, but. Mm. I don't eat breakfast burritos. I go to a deli up the road from work that sells foot-long breakfast sandwiches for $7. Oh, nice. Yeah, a foot-long hoagie roll with bacon and eggs on them. Oh, yeah. That sounds so good. It's fucking good. good. I'm so hungry right now. I've eaten only one meal today, and I'm like, yeah. oof. I eat after my doubleheader softball game, and then I, I drank a few beers, and then I just sat around and waited for you to get off work to do the podcast. <laughs> So I've had one meal today at a bar. <laughs> so that, that's how well my life is going today. That ain't bad. <laughs> no, it sounds like something James would do, which is I can see why you confuse the two of us. You know, this is this really is this really was our opportunity to roast him for a whole episode, and we didn't. We held back. I know we did. We just we let it all out now. Yeah. Fucking James. Did you catch what I was doing? Like towards like the like the middle to the end of the podcast, I kept saying like "sure." I was like, I got to make him feel like he's still talking to James. Oh yeah, no, I, sure, I sure. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're so used to it now, you probably didn't even notice it. Yeah, I talk over him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. If you hate us, you're probably right. So consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. Or if Patreon is not your thing, which is not my thing either, but we have it because we need money, drop us a little tip in Venmo. That's at WTADP. More people are doing that. It's kind of fun. Uh, they send little notes. It's very nice. Our cover-up was created by the Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his wonderfully whimsical work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of James enjoying his honeymoon play you out. Have they found the Holy Spear of Christ yet? Way to not let me plug my show, you dick. Oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Today's co-host was Neil Eckert of the War and Conquest podcast. can be found anywhere that you find your podcasts. And you should go listen, because it's super cool. What subject, are you, what subject are you covering right now? I haven't listened I'm, for a while. I'm in the Third Crusade. We got one on the okay. conquest of Canaan by the Israelites. Got Alexander the Great, First Crusade, Crusader States, which is the period in between the First Crusade and the Third Crusade. Then we're doing the Third Crusade now, and then the next series is going to be on Julius Caesar and how he destroyed the Republic. Nice. Can I ask, how about this? Describe your show in one word. Sarcastic. (laughs) 